Welcome to Planner Parlay, a show where we come together under a flag of truce to talk about small agency planning. This week, we're seeing if the grass is greener for strategists that have gone client-side. Carrie Ryby, Director of Marketing at Black Button Distilling, and Inga Grote-Ebbs, Brand Director at Fifeco USA, join John Roberts, CSO at Truth Collective, all from Rochester, New York, to share what the view is like from the other side of the relationship. With one in four strategists considering a career move toward the client side, we're learning what it's all about and what it means for small agencies. Pull up a chair and listen in. So, welcome everyone to another episode of Planner Parley. Uh, I'm thrilled today with our topic being about thinking about the notion of strategy from a client's perspective. Or as I've termed this, uh, if that grass is really greener on the side of strategy on the client, if so, what are they putting on it? We know, and I'll talk about this a little later on, that we've seen that there's a, dr- a dramatic shift in agency world of planners starting to think about moving client side. So for today, I've invited a couple of guests who will have that perspective that we can learn from. I'm joined by an old friend, Carrie Ryby, who has gone from agency side to client side, and I'll let Carrie introduce herself in a moment, and also Inga Grota-Ebbs, who has a uh, got a long history of client marketing positions, both in giant companies and now in slightly smaller ones, perhaps. But it's got a really interesting perspective about what it takes to be a strategist client side. So, welcome, Inga. Welcome, Carrie. Thank you, John. So, why don't we start with uh, Carrie? Why don't you tell us a little bit about your journey? Because you're on here today. Um, apart from I always love chatting with you, but also you've made the journey that we're seeing more and more from my agency side of a, an agency strategist that has gone client side. So talk for a, a little bit about uh, where you've gone to and what made you change the uh, change sides? It's a really good question because I don't think I was looking to change sides, um, but I haven't regretted changing sides, if that makes any sense. So. Um, John, you know, we, we started in this business as babies, and I'm not even going to put a date on it, but, um, you know, most of my career um, has been in media. I mean, I, I think I jumped from McDonald's to media, you know, after college, you know, that, that was the kind of leap. And, and I've been in the media world ever since. And what attracted to me to media, which made me go into strategy, was that you had to do a lot of research and insight into audience behavior to understand how to provide a really good plan for your clients. And I was naturally drawn to that side of the business. And I really thought that I would be buried in my agency shoes because I love agency work so much. Um, uh, but I think, you know, the, the client calling came, I don't want to say accidentally, but there was always an interest, is the grass greener? And um, when this opportunity came up with Black Button, I, I kind of went in, into it a little um, trepidatiously, if you want to call it that, because what I loved about agency work was that you had so many different clients and so many different products that every day was different and every marketing plan was different. And that variety is what I enjoy. Um, but um, I found a, a new kind of joy in that same thing, just in a different way on the client side. That's it. We're going to come back to talk about that butterfly and focus in a moment. But how about uh, how about you, Inga? Your story. My story, yes. So I started out after college, working in demand planning. The job is really around working with multiple sides of the business and figuring out how much in the end 
we should produce as a company. And so I worked heavily with marketing. And that's when I realized I don't want my job, I want their job because they worked with consumers or patients or customers and really trying to understand their needs and their challenges and, and figuring out a way to fill those challenges um, and, and solve for them. So I went back to business school and I was like dead set on brand management and nobody could deter me from it. Um, I started, I think one of the first days of business school was the day Lehman Brothers went down. So perfect timing. I imagine it, was a, it was perfect timing. It was a great job market. At least I was not in finance, but it, it, um, yeah, I really worked towards this. I want to work in consumer packaged goods. I want to know the product. I want to be able to, to, you know, touch it and experience it. So it was always this. Uh, curiosity of there's there's like problems and challenges that these consumers have and how can I help them solve it but also at the same time how can I build this emotional tie with my brand right because I worked on French's mustard I worked on uh, vitamins I worked on allergy medication and so some of this isn't necessarily the most kind of emotional category but how do you really um, have have consumers choose your brands. And that's, I think, what I was always really, really interested in. Um, so yeah, so I worked my way through really, really big companies and then um, you know, worked in New Jersey for about six years. And then for family reasons, made it back to Rochester and you know continued, I, I think, on the marketing path that I had chosen. And it's always been on the client side. And I've immensely enjoyed working with agencies and what they could bring because you know their perspective has been so different like in a good way not butting heads but the experience of, of the folks at agencies is different to carrie's point they're serving multiple clients in multiple industries so they they have a lot more diverse kind of perspective than i maybe had especially early on in my career so it was really really helpful to um pick their brains a little bit so just building on that, how, how do we, in your experience, Inga, how do we get the uh, the, the ideal balance of that uh, the butterfly effect of uh, of an agency with uh, working on multiple clients with different experiences, and the the how I see it from the outside in the, the focus that you know a, a brand director like yourself can apply within your category within your company, how does that work best? A lot of communication. Right. I mean, I think it's yeah. so cliche and yet it is so true because it's really about I need to understand my agency uh, partners and where they're coming from and have to be open to their ideas. And at the same time, my agency partners have to understand very intimately and very granularly my business and my business challenges. And that can only happen when there's a lot of talking um and a lot of listening and i think a lot of just like empathy and openness to understanding each other you know just picking up on that i realized that in the intro i think i started this uh, the using the age-old metaphor about changing sides and I, I wonder i wonder if that's a fundamental issue in the agency client relationship if we think about it as sides 
because science is by definition combative or competitive. And of course, from what you're saying, Inga, it's much more about that relationship, working with people to identify what each does well. Does that make sense? Yeah, I think we're not we're not on different sides to your point that's competitive, but I think the different perspectives is where kind of the sweet spot lies. So we can't we can't be on the same we can't come from the same perspective because I think then you lose a match. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So Carrie, as someone that is learning uh, to picking up on what Ingo was saying, the, the, a different perspective from within the client side. How's it been for you? I, it's it's been a breath of fresh air, um, and not to say that I didn't enjoy my agency side, but it's allowed me to uh, get a deeper or form a deeper relationship with a product and with a product need that uh, sometimes you don't have the opportunity with with an agency because you are forced to be you know you're you're jumping into many different categories and products and things along those lines and it it. it it gives me the opportunity to look at things in a more focused fashion that I've not really had the opportunity before. What have you changed, Karen, from being an agency strategist with uh, you know a lot of time spent in media and communications planning? But what's changed in, in, in you, do you think, having gone client side now? You know, I, I would like to say nothing's changed because I think what I've been able to do is bring some of that agency side into a client arena and help change how the client side thinks about what they need to do. So I mean we're in a we're in a company that is is growing up very quickly. Um, it's a company that you know started in 2012 and it's you know their idea of a brand you know eight years ago was a logo. So coming into it now you know obviously they've come a long way from that but they're thirsty for some of the structure that agencies put into place for creating brand guidelines and for um, looking at marketing strategies and looking at ways to target audiences in unique ways. So it's, it's been enjoyable to go from this, um, a very structured environment of an agency to a somewhat non-structured part of a client, but bring some of that structure here to help uh, shape it and evolve it in a more professional way. I wonder about the role of strategy and how, how we define it. So I think about strategy as an informed opinion how to win. From an agency perspective, a lot of what we do, the reality is we're finding ways to connect that consumer need or customer need you talked about, Ingo. I believe that from a client perspective, that's quite a narrow definition of strategy and you have broader applications of strategy across the role you do. Is that fair, Inga? What other things do you do under the realm of strategy? Yeah, I think across all of the positions I've ever had, it is broader because when we're when we're thinking of our work with agencies, right, that becomes the communication part. So we have defined kind of what the problem is and what we need to do and we have aligned the organization around that. And when I think of my job as in brand management, right, it's it's owning the business of the brand. And so there, from a strategic perspective, um, is a whole lot more that we then distill into a brief that becomes the insight statement that then becomes kind of what, what we work with with the agency. 
um, that is financial in nature, that has inputs from you know, the sales team, but also the supply side of kind of maybe what can be made and how much of it can be made and when it can be made. And so by the time I think we're ready to work with an agency, we have, and I think that goes to your question about like, you know, maybe it comes later, but like where, where some of the, um, the disconnects can happen, right? Like we, we as a brand team or as an organization have had so many conversations of what's possible and what is the issues and we've collected so many inputs that you know if you just then start talking to your agency partner about the communication uh, part of things the, the agency partners don't have all of that background and yeah that context why we ended up there why we maybe can't you know go left and have to go right and so um, it creates this very, I think, too narrow focus almost for the agency because the context is missing of kind of the path that we took to get there. So in the perfect relationship, that would be understood in a way, um, which is really, really difficult because you, you would have to have conversations that are completely outside of kind of the focus of the relationship. <laughs> Yeah, that's right. And it's one of the challenges I know that we all face today. The relationship you're, you're describing, Inga, takes time. The amount of time that you need to spend with the agency mm -hmm. you need to spend together to really understand that broader context. And it's a challenge for us all, right? No one's sitting here saying, I have plenty of time in my hands, I don't know what to do. Kerry, when you listen to this, and it's interesting, again, entirely coincidental, but you know, Inga's in a significant uh, alcoholic beverage company with a great deal of structure, and you've obviously had that structure over, over time in, in some of your, your backstory. And Carrie, you've gone into a small but very fast growing craft distillery that's only been around for eight to 10 years, eight years, I think. How does that, how does that change for you, Carrie? You know, I think what's very interesting is we went from, I went from a world of you would do the deep dive with the client, you would, um, you would provide you know, some insight and direction and you would take it through all these layers and processes um, to get something to, you know, to create a final outcome of some sort of marketing direction or media direction or whatever that might be. You know, because we're in a sort of a leaner, meaner culture, um, what, what I'm finding in many cases is that we respond more on an intuitive level, which I find highly energizing um, because yeah. nobody has the time for a PowerPoint. Um, that doesn't mean we don't have processes. That doesn't mean that we aren't doing our homework and digging deep into audiences, but there is, um, you really depend upon the team more to get the thinking going and doing it in real time as opposed to, okay, we've got a brief, it's due in a week, and then we've got to do this next week. It's um, it goes a lot faster because we don't have the time, particularly during COVID, we did not have the time to go through some of those layers that I think I've, you know, sort of was comfortable in before going into the client world. Got it. So Carrie, when you think about the transition from going, working for an agency to going focused on a brand within a client, looking back now with 2020 hindsight, what is it that you wish you knew about the client work before you got there? You know, I, I think what I, what's 
the most enlightening is I think when you're in the agency world, you think that your clients think that their whole day is centered around the work that you're doing for them. <laughs> Right. Oh, we're so vain and shallow. I know. But yes. And, and it, yes. You sit there and you think, oh my gosh, why are they not responding to my emails? I did this amazing piece of work for them. And you think they don't love you and it just hurts. And then you, and you know they love you, but you know, it, but then you get into this client side and you realize all the other things that are required in the day and what a small fraction of the agency work is important to them. And it's important, but in a very different sort of light. And that's been a huge eye opener for me. And I, I've always heard people say this, you know, I've heard it a thousand times, but when you're, when you're finally in that shoes of a client, you, I, I really do appreciate that now. So. Yeah. It's funny. We grew up, uh, Carrie and I actually grew up working together a long time back. And I still remember one of the things that we were, we, we used to discuss, which I hold true with my teams today, which is, when the agency meets with the client, make that the best hour in the client's day. Whatever it's going to be, whatever that day is, just to make it, try and make it best. Inga, does that ring true for you? I am like nodding a, like a kiss, <laughs> but I'm nodding because um, it, was, it was early on in my career, but it was, it was the treat to be part of agency presentations. It was a treat to be invited um, onto a shoot or to be part of like executing on this mysterious creative that, you know, people a little bit, um, you know, that have, have been with the organization a little bit longer, you know, concocted up with the agency. And so, yes, I think I, I get really energized by these interactions with, with agency partners. <laughs> And it is often the highlight of the day because to Carrie's point, like, you know, you review a PNL and then you have conversation, then you have to look at data, a lot of spreadsheets, and you have to fill out PowerPoints. You create PowerPoints and you have a lot of you have a lot of good conversations within the organization. But I think agency context is just it's special and it's so different. But it is it is kind of the cherry on top <laughs> a lot of times. And it's funny being that cherry. You sometimes, you, to carry, you're so right, you, you, you forget the, the broader perspective, okay, the, why this our work really should matter for that, that moment. But also in terms of appreciating, like you were saying, Carrie, the thousand and one things that, that clients need to do in, in, rather than just immediately respond to that email that was sent a minute ago. So the three of us were chatting about this notion because this is, it's been a common theme and I want to say probably the last three to four years of any strategy study or agency study you can see of more and more strategists or planners from an agency world are looking to go client side. In fact, the most recent one I saw in, in Walk is something like uh, 23%. That's one in four. One in four agency strategists are thinking about the next role could be client side. Why is that, do you think? Carrie, from your experience, why would you think that one in four planners are thinking of jump about jumping into the client role. This this may not sound politically correct, so excuse me. But good. So this sounds exciting. It better be good. <laughs> I and and this is I've been in a lot of agencies, so this is not pinpointed to any specific agency. But I fully I really feel, and I've with my fellow uh, strategists feel that sometimes agencies don't really know how to utilize us to the best of our abilities. And it gets frustrating because we know we could be doing so much more 
but we work with teams that don't necessarily have the time to dig into some of the things that we are revealing about a client. On the client side, at least this client, my one only client side um, experience, there is such an appreciation for what we are able to pull out about the audiences, about the marketplace, about the white space. Um, that detail is um, taken and embraced and appreciated in ways that I, I did not feel in my former lives. Got it. Let me ask, do you also think there's an element of naivety in this? The, the boundless enthusiasm, all stress just have to be enthusiastic, I think, and optimistic by, by, by nature, because we're, we're, we're trying to find an informed opinion about how to improve, how to look for better. But do you think there's a naivety to um, an agency stress just thinking about going client side? I, I don't think so at all. Um, I, huh. I think a year ago I probably would have said yes, but now that I'm in this position, I'm, I'm very fulfilled um, from a strategy perspective because I, I feel I have the freedom to really take the client in unique places that um, might have been a little uncomfortable for an agency or an agency might have thought that we were wasting manpower time or, or things along that line. So I, I, I am given the freedom to really um, explore areas that um, have um, given me the ability to dig deep into our, our brand. Got it. And Inga, when, when you think about your wealth of experience in, in brand director, and you talked earlier about you know, wanting to get excited about helping, connecting with people and building that emotional connection. What style of strategist from an agency do you feel could make the best leap when you think about under, your better understanding about what that role really entails client side? Is there a particular type of person or skill set? Yeah, as you were talking, or Carrie, as you were responding, my my thought was also that marketing is so different. I, I bet your job and mine, even though we have the same job description, may entail something different. And you know, my my job was very different in my with my previous employer than it is now. So so I, I think it's also making sure that when you make the transition that the job that you're going into is on the on the client side is the one that you thought it would be like not all marketing is marketing just like not all agency work is agency work and so i think to come back to your question around um who can succeed on the client side, I think it's, you know, it's, it's being really curious in the interview of what it, it, the job entails. Like, are you somebody that also enjoys getting their hands dirty with, you know, some of the other work, like um, really digging into the numbers and, and pulling performance data like apart and, and seeing if there's something there? Or are you the person that is a little bit more, you know, qualitative and, and really wants to Kind of look at what other companies are doing, what what your company has done, and and how consumers react to that. And I, you know, I think you have to figure out what suits you uh, before you make the jump, and to make sure that it matches what what your what your expectations are. Inga, that's that's interesting because it's making me think now about fundamentally what you're saying is not that different to a strategist looking for another agency role. 
because you need to ensure that the style of strategist you are and what, what you do so well as an individual fits not just the specific needs, but also the culture of the company. Yes, how they look at marketing and what, market, yeah. what, what role marketing plays within the organization. Yeah, I think that's really important. So when you think about, we've all t talked about, and Inga, you, you were touching on this earlier in terms of um, the, the, the ideal relationship. What makes a great client agency relationship for you, Inga, and then Carrie, your double questions, not just what makes that relationship, but also has that changed from your expectation? So Inga, let's start with you. What's the, what would you describe as that ideal client agency relationship? Yeah, I'll go back to communication, um, curiosity, uh, mutual understanding of where we're coming from, you know, especially when you're working with, um, you know, larger clients or within big organizations, there's so many layers um, that sometimes really muddle the water when it comes to the objective, because, you know, you've been through so many iterations of it. So really asking, asking a lot of questions so that the agency is clear on what, what the client actually wants, because sometimes the client isn't isn't really that sure or it's it's gotten so muddled so i think um, it goes back to uh, trust respect and a lot of talking and a lot of listening uh, to each other very good so carrie tell me what you think makes the the ideal client agency relationship and has that changed now you're the client and not the agency Yes and no. I think I think what's really important, and, and this really goes back to what Inga's saying. But I, you know, in in the agency world, we always want to be that partner with the client, right? And some clients treat you like a vendor, and some clients treat you like a partner. The best work comes when there's a partnership, and I've taken that insight on the client side. And when we worked with vendors, I've looked at them you are a partner, you know, I tell them you're a partner and I'm going to give you more information than you probably get from a client because I know I'm going to get better work from you if I do that. And that, having that insight, having been on the agency side, knowing what, where good work comes from, I think has given me an advantage being a client and working with, you know, with, with partners, I say other vendors, but really with other partners and helping us uh, build out our brand. So just flip that then. What frustrates you most with agencies? Knowing that that's the ideal that we want to have for both of you, Ingram and Carrie, the ideal. But what, what, what gets you most frustrated about agencies generally? Carrie, stay with you and then we'll come back to Ingram. All right. So, you know, I haven't, I haven't been on the client side for very long, but I can tell you how um, the, the management here feels um, with our company. And, and their feeling is that um, if they blink, they're going to get charged. If they move sideways, they're going to get charged. If they change their mind, they're going to get charged. So there's this feeling of everything that they do with an outside partner is going to be expensive. So there is a deep desire here to want to bring it in-house because they feel that people will be more committed to them from that yeah. perspective. Got it. And Carrie, that in-house is any agency support? So the execute, obviously the strategy with your lead, but also the execution as well, from what you're saying. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, I, I mean, yeah, yeah. yeah we, we certainly work with outside partners, but just not in a full service agency perspective. 
I'm going to come back to that in a minute, but Inga, how, how would you approach that? What would be, from your breadth of experience, the, the biggest frustration with agencies? I think every time, anytime you put creative above anything else, um, both, you know, strategy, objective, but also just pragmatism and practicality, like I would, I want the creative to inspire, but in the end, you know, we all work for businesses. And so we need to sell more product, make the, you know, make the customer and consumer aware of the product. And if the creative just seems so far out there and we, we as a client have to rein it in so much to even make it work and then, um, experiencing an unwillingness and i'm going into the worst case scenario right and then there's an unwillingness to make changes um because that would then change the idea um i think it's the toughest for me uh, when it no longer becomes about the brand but it becomes about about the creative yeah and it's just just adding to it, see, see if this follows your threading of so I'm hearing right. When, when I think about what you were saying earlier about the joy you get about wanting to build that emotional connection, it's still for a purpose, okay? We're still in, you know, I've had an old creator directly used to talk about this, is we're still in commercial art, okay? It is an art for art's sake. It has to have a fundamental business purpose at some level. Not necessarily everything is about direct response and, and a ka-ching in a sale, but it still has to have a, a, a stronger business purpose. Does that follow? That is exactly it, yes. And it's interesting, Carrie, isn't it? Because I think the tension I've experienced from an agency perspective is actually, it's a combination of, to me of, of what you, both of you guys are saying, which is, Inga, that point about if agencies don't ask or don't get involved enough in the discussion, okay, of building out the conversation and the communication you were saying earlier, then it's very easy for an agency to not truly understand what business problem we're trying to solve. And therefore, there'll always be a gap. Is that fair? John, to, um, to kind of um, put that a little bit into perspective yeah. and from yeah. what I'm observing here is that I think, you know, I talked about that fear of, oh, they're going to be charged if they make the wrong decision or they do something. It, I think the fear really came from they didn't know how to work with an agency to get the best work out of an agency. And I think that's really where the fear was coming from. And I don't right. think agencies understand that fear. And it, I think it goes back to Inga's point about communications. I don't think they knew how to communicate or what to communicate in order to get the best work out of a company. Um, yep. And so that's, that I feel was a you know, significant conundrum um, with not wanting to get close to agencies because they didn't feel they knew how to manage them properly or partner with them properly in, in the proper context. Just to follow up on what Carrie says, I think there is a ton of truth there because when you think about most, most agencies don't work with these really, really big process-oriented, kind of they have their marketing uh, process down companies, but you know there's there's tons of smaller um, smaller companies that don't have that great of a process maybe for marketing, but they but they need an agency, and so how they work with an agency is um, sometimes really painful 
because neither of them knows how to navigate each other. Yes. Um, Got it. And that's when, like, a lot of times, that's when you get, you know, the objective is to do a million things. And then instead of the agency saying, you know what, we can do a million things, um, they try and it, you know, it's not good for the client and it's not good for the agency. Um, and, you know, you can't put the blame on either side. It's, it's just kind of yep. neither knew better, neither knew better. I'm getting this weird flashback to teenage discos where you get a dance <laughs> partner, but neither of them are quite sure what to do. So. Yes. So at some stage, let's do it now. We, we need to talk about the role of the brief because there's this constant discussion in, in, in agency world about the role of the brief. And it's funny because we're actually talking about two briefs, the, eight, the client brief and the agency's creative brief. And there was a study not long back that I thought just summed this up really, really well, where when asked whether the, the client brief was very clear and gave the agency everything they needed to know, don't quote me on the numbers, but it was something like 70% of clients said, yes, our briefs are like that. But 30% of agencies said, that's what their client briefs are like. And conversely, for me, coming back to what you are saying earlier, Inga, asking about whether the agency truly understood the client business, the numbers were reversed. 70% of agencies saying, yes, we understand our client's business. And it was probably like 30% of clients said, no, only about 30% believe the agency understand. So can we spend a few minutes digging into the, the role of the two briefs? And Inga, can I start with you? When you think about the role of the client brief for agency, what are the key elements in that that you feel all clients should be delivering? And how would you want an agency to respond to it? Yeah. So for me, just how the brief starts out, kind of with the background and the explanation of the challenge the brief is trying to solve, is um, is always a little bit difficult because there are the really, really short briefs and there's the really, really long briefs. Yeah. And I don't know that, um, like, I know it's really, really difficult to get that part right because it also depends on you know, is this an agency you work with really closely and they fully understand your business and they were actually involved in uncovering the insight so they they kind of already know and this is just a recap or have they not been involved and then you want to give them more but you can't just make it um kind of a dump dump of all the things that you know about yourself either yep um so that that is the first part that i think is really challenging to get right um, it depends on a lot of factors. Obviously getting, you know, because it cause, cause it then leads into like, did I get the problem I'm trying to solve right? Um, did I get the insight right? Because, you know, that's a manifestation of what you're trying to solve for. Do I even know who my target audience is? And can I explain that to an agency, not just in a way that they understand, but also that we could potentially reach them? So um, targets that you can describe really well, but then in the real world you could not reach is also very difficult to uh, do creative for. <laughs> Should I go on? <laughs> but I think at every stage of the brief, right, there, there can be many pitfalls and it's not as, there's no like right or wrong way. It depends on so many factors. 
But I think for me, it's getting the background right that leads into the problem, being able to really define the problem and who this is a problem for. Um, is probably, if we can get that right, like we may be already in a pretty good space. Yeah, awesome. And then just adding on, on that, what about for you when you, when you begin this process about the, um, the role of measurement? How will we know if we're successful? Do you tend to find that um, that could be very clear from the client side about what we need to achieve? Obviously the broader challenge, but the specifics of results. Yeah, I think you're right. That is, um, it's a, it's a big, um, it's not easy yeah. um, to come up. I think a lot of times we like to put that on the agency to come up with a measurement plan. Yep. Um, and then we're like, well, where are the KPIs? And then the agency comes back and says, well, what are your KPIs? And I, I, you know, <laughs> we're back at the, at the stage of maybe neither the client or the agency is perfect at um, understanding each other and what the yep. limitations and capabilities are. Um, but yeah, I think, you know, being, not putting out there a problem that can be solved but not measured, you're right, I mean, at the end, <laughs> doesn't help anyone. <laughs> yeah, and it's, it's tricky because most agencies are not very good at measurement sweeping statement but i found it just to be true from the multiple conversations we've had over time because the focus tends to be on the enthusiasm of how do we how do we believe we can solve the problem through communication and the how do we know if we if we've achieved solving our problem or measuring how we're doing is a, is an afterthought carrie you may disagree with that coming with an, an enormous media background but tell me what you think about it from the, the measurement part, but also in terms of what you're finding for the client brief. Uh, you know, I, it's funny, I don't disagree with you at all coming from a media background because I think media tends to focus on click-through rates and conversion rates and, and it's a very uh, quantitative process and we know in strategy that there's a lot of qualitative factors that go into success. Um, you know, and, and I think that's qualitative is very hard to measure. Um, we all know that uh, being in this business and it's, it is that big black hole sometimes. But I think if people look at both the quantitative and the qualitative side of things and set expectation levels for that, then the measurement's gonna have a bigger impact on how you evolve your campaign over time. Um, in terms of a client brief, you know, I came to a place that didn't even know what a brief was. Um, and that's been one of my charges is to put briefing into the system and we're already seeing big changes in our output and in our partnerships that we are building out into the marketplace. But I, I laugh because when I was in the agency side, um, I asked a bunch of account team folks um, how long it took them to write a brief and they all said oh about an hour <laughs> <laughs> and you you laugh to yourself because um, people have different expectations on what a brief does and some people yeah. see it as a list of instructions to get people moving forward and other people see it as the ability to Inga's point of truly understanding the problem at heart and what needs to be done and, and it should I feel it a brief should never be written by one person it should have multiple people brought in based on expertise levels 
and that should be on the client side and the agency side. So if I'm trying to figure out, you know, where we're trying to take the creative, then I want to take the creative people and get them in there and say, what are you seeing and what do you like and what motivates yeah. you? And, and I want to bring the, you know, the salespeople in on it to say, you know, what's, what's the problem in your marketplace and what are your biggest barriers? Because that's the information that's going to make a brief rich with the information that's going to solve the problem. Carrie, I think that there's a great shift in, in this, what you're saying now from traditional agencies that we all grew up in the world of, there was a, almost effectively a handoff or handover, Inga, from the, the client brief is effectively the notification to agency to work and then the creative brief is the notification for the creative teams within the agency to get to work. And that collaboration, Carrie, that you're talking about, we believe makes such a difference in the creation of both of those briefs. Um, to the point where we would love to spend time working with clients on making sure the client brief isn't baked before the agency gets there so we can actually have that discussion. But Inga, as a client, would that work? Because I certainly want client input into my creative brief from the agency, but do you think the agency can participate in the creation of the client brief? Does that work as a process or a mindset for you? Yeah, I've actually experienced that in my career where we had not just um, a joint writing process, but also a joint approval process huh. where the agency actually helped us get approval from, you know, a forum within the um, uh, it, within the organization of the brief, um, which makes it so much easier because that that is the point where you actually under, like know that the agency understands the brief, right? Because they were involved in, in writing it. And uh, yeah, I don't I don't actually think that clients writing briefs and just handing them over to the agency. I mean, it, it can work, um, especially if it's kind of, you know, a smaller project, but like you really want to do something meaty and something, you know, changing, you know, let's say you want to reposition a product or you're launching a new product. If you don't bring in the agency early on, you know, you, you just have to kind of backtrack because <laughs> the agency has every right to question your brief and be like, oh, why is that there? Why is... And then you kind of have to rethink, is that really true what I put in this brief? Do I really want them to do that? Good perspective. So when we think about our crazy world of 2020, how has that changed for you, client side? When you think about the again, thinking about this discussion on the role of strategy, what's changed so much for you from a strategic perspective in the last eight months, Carrie? You know, and a little back a background is you know we literally turned you know, a spirit company into a hand sanitizer company in 48 hours. So we've actually been having some interesting conversations this week because our company is forever changed by that. Not that we are continuing to make hand sanitizer. We're not. We're going back into the alcohol business. But that, that shift in such a short amount of time did a couple things for us. The first thing that it did was it, it turned our culture on its backside, right? It, it, we went from being this complacent craft distillery to, oh my gosh, we could be out of business to, oh my gosh, we're saving jobs, we're saving the community to, oh my gosh, we're going back into spirits again. And it's, 
given us a certain amount of confidence that says we can we can do this. We if market conditions are changing, market conditions will always change. I mean, we, we're not always going to have a pandemic, but we're always going to have a situation where technology or human behavior is going to change. And you know, do we just keep doing what we always do, or do we? modify what we need to do to keep up with that. And I think this whole pandemic has sort of taught us that we can, this is possible. And by the way, we should continue to do this. We should not go back to our comfortable ways. Um, and I think that's right. an amazing lesson um, that I think all company, companies should really take from what we've just been through. Good learning. How about for you, Inga? Yeah, I think for me, it's a lot about empathy empathy for employees, empathy for your consumers, empathy for your community. Because, you know, I think Carrie's example is, is, is wonderful. And I've seen it, you know, with my previous employer, as the pandemic started, right, we pivoted so quickly to, yeah, we're a business and we have to sell a product. But right now we have to help. We have to help our customers. We have to help, you know, our employees figure out how to navigate working from home with kids. And yes, we'll have, you know, dogs and kids on Zoom calls and that's perfectly normal and okay. So I think if we can, in the future, continue to think about maybe what the other side looks like and, and how the other side feels, I think that would be that would be really wonderful for me if we can carry that forward. It's a great perspective because it really does, as Carrie, you were saying in anger, you it's it's it, it's change. How do we use this change for good to change us and improve us all for for better? What about uh, we've seen a lot of work both with our clients, but also you know in the multiple studies that we're all looking at about what's going on, where a lot of client side work either got stopped, which is fair enough, but also in terms of you know uncertainty is fair enough but also became very near-term focused have you seen in your both of your experiences there the balance of the strategic work you're doing and direction is that shifted more to the near term or are you now starting to think longer term as well Carrie good question you know strategy is in everything we do um, we don't think of it that way but we do and I, I think the one thing that we've had to do is um, and one of my goals with this company is to look at things more in a longer term fashion, but putting in stock gaps, knowing that, you know, this whole board game, board game that we're in could flip upside down any minute. You can't, you know, it's, it's hard to predict where that future is going to go, but you have to be prepared for it. So it's sort of having that long term vision, but also knowing when to pivot uh, based on yeah. what's happening. Got it. And Inga, what about for you? Yeah, I'm with Carrie on this one. I think, you know, as immediately, you know, COVID hitting, I think everything became really short term because there was just no way to plan. I think, you know, we're coming out of that or have come out of that. And now it's it's really about contingency planning of like, this is what we want this to look like. And here are the, you know, different crossroads that we could take should it you know should it get worse should it get better should something else happen 
Um, I think you just you, you scenario plan better because we now have a, a slightly better understanding of what could happen and also what could work to mitigate. Not not like we're not a hundred percent there, but you know we've now done six months of looking at things that could take place of you know maybe in person meetings or events, and you know you can contingency plan a little bit better. So do you think, from both of you, I'm hearing some, a, a lot, from a client's perspective, a lot more of the agility of understanding in terms of, Carrie, you talked about functional pivot, from alcohol to hand sanitizers and now back. And the scenario planning that Inga you're referring to is, is fascinating to me because how much more scenario planning are you, do you both feel you're doing today than you would have been doing 12 months ago? when this thing called COVID and pandemics didn't exist. Are you, are you doing a similar amount, Inga, or are you just are you just more agile and appreciative that you need to have more scenario plans than 12 months ago when everyone thought the world was moving along at a certain pace? I think it's very different. Hmm. Um, you know, and that, that might be because the pandemic wasn't on anybody's scenario plan. Yeah. Right. Uh, or even something like a pandemic, right? Like I think you can plan for, you can plan for hurricane season, you can plan for maybe even an earthquake, but this one wasn't, it wasn't on my list and I think it wasn't <laughs> barely anybody's like, let's plan a marketing plan based on maybe we're getting a pandemic. <laughs> um, and so now it's, you know, now we added it to the list. Now it's very real. Yep. Um, we know how it impacts you know, our, our consumers, our customers, you know, I mean, Carrie and I both work in alcohol. So like that is the epitome of bringing people together socially. Correct. And, and, and so, yeah, it, 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 um, it kind of blew up the playbook and now we're putting the playbook back together because we have just a slightly better idea of, <laughs> of, of what could, what we could be in for again, should, should this not work out. Carrie, does that sound similar to you? Oh, absolutely. Yeah, I mean, we didn't do scenario planning before. <laughs> yeah. Um, and just because it was a predictable business. Um, and and people are predictable when it comes to alcohol to some degree. You know, it's all based around holidays. Back to Inga's point about people coming together and it's a social function. And we don't even know what the holidays are going to be like in the next few months. Are people coming together or are they just going to drink by themselves alone in a room? You, you know, you just don't, you know, and there's no research out there that's going to tell you how people are going to behave in something that's never happened before. So you, you, you're forced into this scenario planning just because you don't know. Yeah, John, even if there were, like COVID would go away tomorrow, right? I think what we need to recognize is there's a huge psychological impact aside from the economic impact that will change fundamentally will change the way that people kind of come out of this um, isolation like not every like some people will be really really happy to be with other people they can't wait to go to a football game or a concert and there will be people that's like i it's just too much like i i can maybe deal with 10 people and so you know, that goes back to everybody will come out of this a little bit differently and economically, you know, impacted. So so we now kind of the segmentation looks a lot different of, of the consumer groups 
than than it would have done before COVID. That's got to make it so harder for you guys to have. How many scenarios do you want to plan for or can plan for and accept the fact that everyone's going to have to pivot? Yeah, I, and I think to that point, John, there's also a certain amount of you just got to keep going and moving forward. You know, you have to keep doing what you're doing with the hope that it goes in the direction that you're hoping, even though you've got the scenarios. Um, you can't, you, this is not the time to be shy with your marketing. This is not the time to hold back and wait um, because you will, you know, you, you'll be left in the dust in many respects. The, everything's moving too quickly. It's music to my ears, Carrie. But also, you know, it's based on, you know, we've spent time with our clients looking at that history will tell you time and time again that in any significant economic tilt, brands that invest in both obviously recognize what they need to do near term, but invest in the longer term are exponentially more successful on the other side of whatever this tilt is, however we define that tilt. The tricky part for us, I think, you said it's a well, and I think it's it's absolutely true for your both of you in terms of the, the category you're in. Is things might change within a week, within a you know within two weeks, the behaviours and the the, the functional events, for example, because you were talking about, can all change. So, how do you feel about 2021, Inga? Cautiously optimistic, and you know, with a healthy dose of realism. You know, when you when you look at kind of where the scientific community sees and, and the pharmaceutical companies see a vaccine come in, how long it will take to get everybody vaccinated, that masks will stay around. You know, but but to care but like we have to move forward and we you know, we're we're the, the brands also that should inspire, reassure, um, maybe motivate consumers. So, you know, we, we can't we can't get dragged too far down. So I, I would say cautiously optimistic. Excellent. And Carrie? Yeah, I'm maybe a little above cautiously, but optimistic, <laughs> absolutely. <laughs> I, I'm just an optimist by nature. And my my feeling is we'll figure it out. You know, we're just going to figure it out. You have to figure it out. That's, you know, it's nothing's ever easy in life and this is one of them and uh you know you can't dwell on it and and you need to embrace the change that is happening so you know a perfect example is people weren't buying um online their alcohol products and now there's a huge comfort well. zone with that and now you got to look at well our business now has an e-commerce side we didn't have that you know seven months ago and so these are things that are like opening up new doors that we probably didn't have before and and that's okay and and we need to embrace it i love the optimism cautious or otherwise okay because nothing's going to change without a, a, a belief that we can find something better the optimism so closing thoughts this i've, I've loved having this uh, this hour together i always learn something new which is fantastic if if you can leave one thought bear in mind that this is a podcast for ostensibly for agency, uh, small agency strategists. So people who really un want to understand about how can we improve the work that we do with our clients to provide greater success. What would be your, your one closing thought, recommendation to the agency strategists listening in that uh, they need to think about for working better with their clients? Carrie, let's stay with you. Yeah, I, I, I'm bringing it, I'm going to bring it back to the 
the partnership side of things. I think when a client feels you have some skin in the game and that you're really there for the right reasons and that you are willing to do the pivots that we are having to do right now in the marketplace to um, get us to a better place, then you're, you're going to have a better, uh, you're going to be able to think better and create better and, you know, provide better opportunities for a client and the, and the clients will embrace that. Huh. Good context. Thank you. And what about you, Inga? Yeah, I was going to go down the same road as Carrie. I was, I was going to say, be really, really curious about your client. Ask a lot of clarifying questions. Don't be afraid to push back if something isn't clear, because it may not be clear to your client either. Um, and some really, really good discussions can come out of that not being clear and, and hopefully some really, really great work. Thank you. Great tips, guys. I think our time is up. I've loved the time we spent and um, as it's a Friday afternoon when we're recording this and you're in the beverage industry, I'm absolutely sure we can all say a virtual cheers to each other and hopefully get together for a drink very soon. Uh, Inga, thank you. Carrie, thank you. Cheers, John, and thank you. Planner Parlay, a Truth Collective production.